Good morning, Harlem. Man who drew. Wasn't that an encouraging video by our sister Edna? I tell you, she takes away a lot of those excuses. And uh, prayerfully, we will get to see her in our fellowship once again. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. Uh, today's message is a reminder from the past. The beginning of 2018. So let's go to God's word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we were so grateful just to be reminded of your power uh, through the cross, your power to help us through our struggles, the power to help us to see that our troubles and our trials are light and momentary and that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are walking with us, walking alongside of us, those who have walked ahead of us, God, who can encourage us and pull us forward, and those who are behind us, uh, who we can encourage to keep running their race, God, and, and then those who are walking right alongside of us, encouraging us all the way as we uh, run this race and, and try to be our best for you. Father, I pray that uh, today we'll find words of encouragement from your word, that we will find the words that we need to move forward, to make decisions uh, for this upcoming year that will help us to grow and, and help others to grow uh, in the church. God, we love and thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Earlier this year, we talked about aiming for the target of God's will for us, that big bullseye of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then God calls us to another important thing, which is to love one another, right? Jesus calls this the most important or the weightier things uh, in his word. Over in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, when Jesus had approached the Pharisees and they were making issues about their worship and their, their rituals, and Jesus brought it right back to the heart of the matter. He said, what's most important? He said, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He's not saying that sacrifice is not important. What he's saying is that relationships are most important. And when it comes to the matter of relationships, God puts such a high value on relationships that it's considered the second greatest commandment, loving your neighbor as you love yourself, second only to loving the Lord our God with all our being. Does that make sense right there? You know, God considers relationships high priority on our list of anything. God puts relationships. He himself has shown value in relationships by sending his son to die for us on the cross. He said, you're that important to me that I want to die. I will give my life for you. That's how much you matter to me. And God wants that same love to reflect throughout the church and ultimately to spill out into our community. You know, Matthew 22, in verses 37 to 34, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, God knows that this is not going to be easy. That's why he didn't just give us that one commandment and said, okay, do the best you can. 
he gave us a ton of other scriptures as how to make that possible, right? Because we know trying to love people is not always easy. And if we're honest, we're not always easy to love. I know on my worst day, my wife has to go and pray and call up some sisters and like, all right, he's in that mood again. Pray for a sister. As much as I like to think that I'm always easy to love, I'm not always easy to love. My kids, sometimes they'll come give me a hug because they know daddy's in one of those moods. Let me love up on them. Not always easy to love. And guess what? Neither are they. We all have our moments. We all have our moments where you have to dig deep and say, okay, I'm going to overlook that. I'm not going to let that get to me. I'm going to cover over that multitude with love. And I know some of us are thinking, well, James, at what point do you say enough is enough? At what point do you say, I loved enough? I've forgiven enough. I've served enough. Well, let me ask you in a sense of God answering that question. When should God say it's enough? When should God look at you and say, you know what, enough is enough. I've forgiven you enough. I've blessed you enough. I've waited long enough. Because God is saying to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, isn't he? How much do you want to be loved? Do you want there to be a limit on how someone loves you? Do you want there to be a limit on how someone forgives you? Now, I'm not saying that that's not going to make some changes or alterations to relationships. But ultimately... We need to love people the way we want to be loved. I need forgiveness all the time. I make mistakes, some intentionally and some unintentionally. But at the end of the day, I need to know that, man, there's somebody in my corner. And that's what God wants for every single one of us. So this message is a reminder. Because I, we were serious about getting back into our one another relationships. That wasn't just a great sermon series we put together to enlighten your spiritual development. No, we are serious about getting involved in each other's lives. And if you're uncomfortable with that, then you're going to be more uncomfortable because we're not going to let up until this is a deep conviction of everyone in this church. We need to obey God. It's not an option to love others if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. This is a command from the Almighty God because God knows what's best. And he knows that the only way you and I can make it to the end is if there are people in our lives loving us and people that we are loving. Does that make sense? So today I want to talk about encouraging one another. Encouraging one another because who doesn't need encouragement? I think we all need encouragement, right? Probably more than you think. You guys remember the story of Pluto, right? Poor Pluto. First it's a planet, then it's not anymore. In an award-winning move that probably did not make the subplanet feel better, the term Plutoed, was declared the word of the year by the American Dialect Society in Anaheim, California, a little over a decade ago. The word means to demote or devalue someone or something. 
When I grew up, Pluto was a planet. When we memorized the planets in our solar system, Pluto was one of them. Now, can you imagine being a part of a family? And in all the family photos, you show up, and then all of a sudden, someone says, oh, yeah, you're not part of our family anymore. Just like that, you were demoted. You were written out. Like, well, hold up, wait a second, I'm in all the family photos, look at this. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we made a mistake. Poor Pluto. All of a sudden, he's a planet and he's not anymore. Have you felt Pluto? Do you feel like people don't appreciate you like they should? You may get that feeling on the job when you're working harder than someone else and somebody else gets the credit for your hard work. That promotion you felt you deserved, they got it instead. And the attention that you feel your work deserved was overlooked. And somebody's subpar work was held up. You may get that feeling in your marriage. You know what? I feel Pluto today. This man drags his lazy self in the house. I made and slaved over this hot stove, made him food, and all he can say is, Ugh. I'm feeling Pluto right now. Well, I've been working all day. I come in the door, all I want to do is just sit on the chair and just rest my toes for a few minutes. This woman comes barking, barking orders. Can you take this out? Did you call this? Did you, did you do that? Da, 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 da. I'm feeling Pluto right now. And you know, our poor kids, they probably feel Pluto more than us. Especially if you grew up in a household where you were expected to be seen and not heard. Some of our teens grow up, hey, um, I don't feel good about, some of us just get the look. Some of them just get the look. Some of them get the back of the hand. Some of them get a timeout. But ultimately, they leave feeling Pluto. Like, man. Where's, where's my encouragement? Where's, where's my, you know, when do I get to uh, have my feelings resolved? Maybe you felt Pluto in the church. Yes, in the church, in the great Harlem church. You felt like your difficulties or your problems are being ignored. People don't call you enough. They don't reach out to you enough. They don't visit enough. You may think that your contributions or your ideas are not taken seriously enough, and you feel Pluto. If you feel this way, then you need encouragement more than you think. You know, I want us to walk away here with a deeper conviction about the need of encouragement in our lives. You know, some people pride themselves in pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and, and getting far in life by themselves. Independence. You know, I'm one of those type of people. I didn't have a whole lot of people walking with me, so to speak. And you did a whole lot by yourself. You motivated yourself. You pushed yourself. 
And maybe you feel like, man, that's not appreciated here. In fact, independence is not encouraged as much. And so you may feel like you got this. Let me tell you something. Everybody needs somebody. Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen. I don't care what you say. Muhammad Ali needed Joe Frazier. He wouldn't be great if he didn't beat great fighters. Everybody needs somebody. Earlier it was shared that Jesus needed his friends when he went through Gethsemane. If the Lord Jesus needs somebody, what about us? Don't underestimate the power of encouragement. You know, encouragement, when you look at the, de the definition, it means to call to one side. So when you, when you reach out and say, I need encouragement, what you're doing is you're calling someone to your side. You're calling someone to walk with you during this time in your, in your life when you need more courage. It's, not just, it's more than just getting a pat on the back or, or, or just having a great conversation. It's like, no, I'm going through something right now and I need encouragement. I need you to walk with me. That's where the word comes from. And so when we talk about encouraging one another, we're talking about something deeper, something that requires relationship, partnership, love, because you really got to love somebody to go through whatever they're going through with them. And sometimes it may take a, a short walk. Sometimes it's a long walk. But walk we must. You know, God has a plan to encourage those who feel Pluto. And it involves you and I. I have one single point this morning, and I hope it sticks with you. My question is, who's walking alongside you? Who's walking alongside you? You know, there are three key passages that will help us in this area. In Hebrews chapter 3, in verse 12 to 13, the Bible says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, believing, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Does this sound like one of those more important matters that Jesus was talking about? You know, I think so. I think so because in this passage, what is it saying to you? Saying, see to it, brothers, that none of you. That's a, that's a, that's a call. That's an upward call right there. That means that we're responsible for one another. That means that we're responsible for each other's walk with God. That we, we play a big part in each other making it to the end of our race. You know, that video of our sister Edna Utak, she may not be able to meet with us physically, but you can't tell me that didn't do something for your faith. Seeing one of our sister walk, she's walking alongside of us from her hospital bed, still encouraging us, seeing to it that we push on. That's what it's all about, being there for each other. There were brothers and sisters there to take the video, to make sure that she feels encouraged, that she still feels a part of the body, that she's still connected. It breaks my heart to know that there are disciples, there are Christians in our church who don't feel connected. And my question to you is, are you, start, are you getting connected, or is it just that there's no one willing to walk with you? We underestimate the power of deceitfulness. The Bible says here that we can be hardened 
by sin's deceitfulness. This isn't something that happens overnight. This is something that happens over time. Your heart gradually gets hard because you have not received any encouragement from someone walking alongside you. Now, personally, I take ownership of my spiritual growth. I know when I need encouragement. I can't expect you to know when James needs encouragement. I have to say, hey, you know what? I need some help. I need some prayer. You can't just look at a person and say, because some of us are great at hiding things. Some of us will come in and say, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, bro. I'm doing good. Okay. The Bible said don't lie, and I'm, just, I'm trusting you telling me the truth, so all right, you're doing good. It takes a wise person and someone who's heard it many, many times before to say, how you really doing? You kind of see some pattern. You kind of know. When you know somebody, you can tell. There are people, there are brothers in my life who will pull me aside because they know when James is doing good and when James is not doing good. And they're not buying that I'm good stuff. They'll pull me to the side and say, how you really doing? Or they'll start off with that. Hey, bro, so how's it going with blank? That's how you know someone is walking alongside you. Now, I understand it takes a lot of effort to encourage someone. And so we, we, we sometimes we got to set ourselves up like, man, do I really want to ask this question? Because I'm not sure what this person is going to say. And I, I want to make sure that I'm able to walk with them. But here's the thing. Sin will deceive our brothers and sisters if we don't get in there and encourage them. We've been deceived and hardened in some areas to think that, man, I can go weeks without being in any kind of contact with disciples. You've been deceived if you think that. You've been deceived if you think that only Sunday services are all you need to be a strong Christian. You've been deceived. And you've been hardened if it hasn't changed. I'm sorry to break it to you, but there is no example of a strong Christian in the Bible where they have very limited involvement with other strong Christians. Jesus walked with his disciples daily. And even after he left, he said, I'm going to send someone with you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit because you need daily contact. All throughout the New Testament, the church was together all the time. Well, James, I'm busy. I got a life. I thought we were a part of your life. Because the last time I remember, the scripture says, Christ who is your life. So if you said Jesus is Lord, then that means Christ is your life. Which means that other Christians are a part of your life. I don't want my business all out there. It's going to get out there one way or the other. I'm not encouraging gossip. I'm not encouraging slander. All I'm saying is the very thing you're trying to protect, God will make seem, especially if it's going to drag you away from him. God will expose it. You might as well just come clean. Bible says we'll never prosper if we conceal our sin. 
says the only way we'll be blessed if we confess and renounce. Get open and repent. To who? To one another. God expects us to be in each other's lives. See, this is why it says see to it, because it's not an option. It's a command here. See to it that no one makes sure this happens. He didn't say anything about hope that it goes well. It's not what the scripture is saying right here. Or pray for someone to call them. So see to it. Who is he talking about? He's talking to you and me. See to it. Let me ask you an honest question. Do you really believe that this scripture means daily? See, now, some of the real responsible will read this and think, man, i got to call everybody every day. No, no, no. That's not the point here. The point is not for you to call every member in the Harlem region and encourage them daily. It's not even the point for you to call everyone in your family group every day to make sure they're encouraged. The point is for us to walk alongside someone to make sure they're encouraged and as someone is walking alongside us, everyone should feel responsible for everyone. That's what this passage is saying. See to it that none of you, he's talking to the whole church here. It's not just the leaders in the church. It's not even just the quote-unquote spiritual people in the church. Because if you call somebody, you walk with somebody, you're being spiritual. We're all busy. That's no excuse. If you live far away, you decided to be in this region, in this church, that's a decision you made. The expectations are still the same. If you live in New Jersey and you're part of Harlem, you're still expected to encourage the brothers and sisters in Harlem. This is your family. No excuses. We have brothers and sisters here who will go the distance to be alongside you and who have done that. And it's your turn to do the same thing. You know, we have so many ways to stay in touch. God takes away all our excuses. You guys think that God isn't about technology? God is about technology. That's why he gave us a brain. That's why he gave us a brain. You can text somebody, hey, you know what, uh, just want to check on you. That's all. Send them a text message if you can't be there. But we have so many ways of staying connected. And I'm like, God, come on, man. It's like, you know, we got group me's and we got, uh, uh, you can video somebody. You don't even have to sit in their living room. It's almost as if they're sitting in your living room. You can put up a group me or, or, or a video and, and all that, uh, you know, all that nonsense. And, and it's like you got, uh, uh, what's this other this thing you can cross platform? So if you got an iPhone, you can talk to an Android, uh, WhatsApp. What's up on a WhatsApp? I mean, you got so much. You can Skype each other. There's so much we can do. It takes away all our excuses. And God is like, look, I don't want you to have a reason to not be in each other's lives, to stay connected. We need it. We need God. We need God to help us, and we need God to encourage us. And God has given us the plan for each, it to be each other. Now, I think that if we really believe this, this daily stuff, 
You be encouraged when you reach out to someone and you'd be surprised that they, they needed to hear from you. I mean, this, God works in mysterious ways in this, in this. Well, God will put somebody on your heart and you just send that person a text message, hey, just thinking about you. And that person has been going through it, probably praying, and your text message came right on time. See, God uses, as long as it's just got to be on our hearts and on our minds. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, says, let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, there's going to be a time where we're not going to be able to encourage anybody anymore. Jesus is like, let's do it now while the day is approaching, while you have the time to do it, while you're still in each other's lives, while you're able to. And you may be thinking, well, James, you know, I, I, I've tried and, 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 and I've been hurt and, and people have not appreciated my encouragement. But then you've got to ask yourself, if that's the pattern, are you really encouraging people? Because the whole point of encouragement is you've got to know what they're struggling with. And if you're just flattering people with words of fluff and saying, hey, man, don't worry about it, you'll, you'll do okay, you'll do great, without really knowing what they're going through, then they're not going to feel encouraged. You've got to know what people like, what, what, what will put faith in people, and that, revol- that, that involves involvement, conversation. Hey, bro, how's it going in your marriage? Bro, you know what? My wife and I, our, our communication needs some help. We need some work in our community. That's where they need encouragement. But, bro, we're having fun together. We're going on dates. Amen. So don't encourage them on the dates because they're, they're good in that area. But they're struggling with their communication. How's it going with your parents? And you know what? I don't know. My, we, 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 you know I, used to, I felt like we were a lot closer, but now my kids aren't talking to me. That's where they need encouragement. That's where they need someone to walk alongside. And help them figure out, okay, well, where, where do we need to go from here? So we need to get in more involved in each other's lives. And that means meeting up together. It means more, more presence in one another's lives. You know, I love this quote uh, by Tom Jones. It says, meeting together did not have to refer exclusively to the services of the church, but it also applies to our getting together as brothers at any time, whether over lunch Breakfast, coffee, or just a prayer walk. Or just a prayer walk. You know, that can be so powerful. Brothers and sisters just praying together over the phone. That's encouraging. That's a meeting. Let's not get thrown off by the word, the wordage here. Meeting. We hear meeting, we think, I have to physically show up or I have to, you know. It's like you can just call somebody. That's, that's how we meet in the 21st century. You get what I'm saying? There's so many ways, and God has taken away all of our excuses. You know, I think the hardest passage is just to meet up as often as it possibly can, as you, as you, as you need it. And it fits perfectly in what Hebrews 3 is saying. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean you skip church just to encourage somebody. Well, hey, I got together, so I don't need to go to midweek. It's not what we're talking about. I got to explain some things, because some people will take it literally and be like, oh, well, James said all I got to do is Skype somebody? I don't need to, What? Skype somebody, send my contribution in electronically. I don't need to be around people at all. I can just sit in my room and have church. Like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. All right? You do need physical touch. Believe it or not, hugging each other is therapeutic. 
That's been proven by science. Every now and again, you get a hug. Now, we only give side hugs here, but, you know, but you get enough side hugs, it'll equal a full hug. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, there you go. Full hug. You switch up the sides. Come at, like, come at it like that. You got a full hug. I need to be around you guys. Because I'm a loner by nature. If I'm by myself, caught up in my own world, I don't do well spiritually. My mind takes me to places that I should not go. I need to be around godly people. Yes, you are godly. And I think sometimes we, we look at our spirit, we feel like we should, I should be here. So until I get there, I can't help anybody here. That is a lie. That is an absolute lie from saying you can help anyone at any walk in your life. Sometimes the best time to help somebody is when you're in the trenches. It's when you're in the valley of shadow and death. That sometimes that's where your best sermons come from. When you're flat on your face. When your back is up against the wall. When you're fighting to stay spiritual. Because then you've got to dig deep. And your convictions is coming from a real place. And you can't tell me that there's not a brother or sister or someone in your life that doesn't need to be encouraged to keep going forward. You know, this growing acceptance of not getting together, allowing other things to crowd out our lives, you know, we got to learn from the world sometimes. Chick-fil-A shuts down their business every Sunday for the sole purpose of making sure that their employees go to church on Sundays and spend time with their family. That is built into their business model. You can't get a delicious, succulent Chick-fil-A sandwich on Sunday. And trust me, Zalika and I, we travel to her visit her parents, and on the road, I'm thinking, I don't want that McDonald's, I don't want that Chick-fil-A. You see the sign, and then you see closed on Sundays. And it's frustrating, but I respect their conviction. They shut it down because they believe in the value of spending time together with family and friends. They get it. They get it. Some of us need to reevaluate our convictions before we go into another year. You can't go into the, the new year the same way. You need to reevaluate your convictions on this. Are you hardened in this area? You know, the point is not to just show up to the meetings of the body. The point is to be consistent with getting together with each other. Whatever that takes. You know, I think a lot of us have benefited from people walking with us. We see the value in it. And some of us have made mistakes for not having someone walk with us. And we've learned lessons from that. There's a lot that can be avoided if you have somebody walking with you where you can run some of your thoughts by and they'll be like, what? Like, dude, don't, come on. Really? You believe that? Like, sometimes you just need somebody to just check your thoughts because you get all fired up about something. You think, yeah, you feel really strongly about it until you run it by somebody and then you're filtered like, uh, yeah, yeah, I would never say that. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do that. You were thinking about doing that? No. And you just run it by somebody. Somebody who's spiritual, who's on that same walk. But when you got your own conviction, you got your own thoughts, you can convince yourself of a whole lot of things. And we need someone walking with us, someone who can help, someone you've given the keys to your heart to break when needed. You know, though, when you go into these buildings, we got them here. They got these glass boxes, these boxes, and they got a little hammer. Break in case of emergency. You need to give somebody that hammer to your heart. When you see me going off the rails, here's the, break my heart and bring me back to my senses. We need somebody in our life that we, gave, we give the right to do that. Otherwise, we will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, I'm encouraged when I hear disciples going on vacations together having family meals together, serving together, celebrating together. You know, these are all examples of meeting together to encourage one another. I think we need to find reasons to have a party next year. In our family groups, if somebody got a promotion on their job, that's a reason to have a party. If somebody went steady and they got a girlfriend and, and their boyfriend and, 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 they're, and they're pure and everything, that's a reason to have a party. If there was a couple who has gone through a rough patch in their marriage, and they're at a better place, that's a reason for a party. I mean, good Lord, can we have some fun up in here? Last night, the married, the married Christians, we had a blast last night at that holiday party. And I'm telling you, man, it was fun. We bonded. I saw people dancing. I'm like, you know what? We, we need to have the Bautistas teach us some salsa. We need to have them teach some of us married. Because they were, you know, and it's a beautiful thing when you see two people in love. They're Christians. They're enjoying themselves. They have, you know, Maldi was doing his thing. And, and you know, he, he got his boy and he throws his hand behind his back like that. And, and I'm like, Victor and Janelle. I mean, you know, the, the Polancos are dancing. And he's like, got the video camera up. Just, just, just. I mean, he was just enjoying his wife. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. And we were so encouraged. And I'm like, we need a reason to have a party. I don't care what it is. We just need to have a reason to celebrate in the Lord. The Bible says that when one sinner returns, what happens in heaven? The angels rejoice. Can we have some rejoicing here on earth? I mean, you can't tell me you're not encouraged by a party. Shoot, compared to the parties we used to go to. Good Lord. I'm like, come on. Let's have a party for any reason. I read my Bible today. Party. I got to work on time. I'll bring the soda. Oh, oh. All of our group is here for Sunday. Party all week. <laughs> we just need a reason to celebrate. You know, the Bible, the Bible weighs in on this. It, 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 the encouragement we need. You know, 
if you don't get encouragement from each other in the church, we're going to look for encouragement outside. Because we're designed to be encouraged. And if we don't get it from, our, from, from within the church, we're going to look for it in other places. And usually those places are not good for us. And so we need to find reasons to keep each other encouraged. You know, in Luke 22, well, actually, 1 Thessalonians says, encourage each other with these words. We've got to put some thought to our words when we're encouraging people. So that it has some substance, that it has some meaning, it has some bite to it, some encouraging, you know, it, it gives us a, a reason to keep going forward. You know, I love this story about Jesus and Peter, and we're going to be wrapping this up soon. You know, Peter was, was Jesus got wind that Satan wanted and targeted Peter. And right here in verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail you. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You know, this example has all the characteristics of encouraging your brother. You know, here we see the emotional appeal, right? Simon, Simon, Jesus loved Peter. When he says this twice, it's a, a, a sign of endearment. He's talking to him as a, as a friend, as, as someone he loves. The walking alongside, I pray for you that your faith may not fail you. See, Jesus didn't just say, you know what, I pray, I'll pray for it and it hopes everything goes well. No, Jesus intended to be there with Peter as he gone through this time of sifting. And then lastly, the putting courage into. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus expected Peter to persevere through this trial, to make it through, and not only for him to make it through, but to come back and strengthen those who need it. You can't just keep the encouragement you receive to yourself. We've got to give it to those who need it. We've got to help share it to, with our other brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus encouraged Peter, and then he expected him to be there for his brothers and sisters when that time came. How about you? Who has God put on your heart to encourage Sometimes we don't see the trials that Satan has laid out for us. But it may be crystal clear to someone else. I think the question is, will you let them encourage you? Will you let someone walk alongside you? You know, Peter had no idea of what plans Satan had for him. But Jesus did. And Jesus did something, I believe, that we need to do more with each other. He did not pray for Peter's trials to go away. He prayed for Peter to stay faithful through his trials. You know, I think sometimes we think it's encouraging to pray and ask God to take away each other's trials. But God has allowed those trials in our lives for a reason. Read through James. In order for you and I to mature in our faith, we need to go through trials. So it's not a part of God's plan to take away all your trials. Trials have a way of being a part of God's plan to help mature us. God finds a way to use our trials to mature us. So Jesus didn't ask that it be taken away. He asked that Peter would be strong through it. Because he knew that later on, the other brothers would need encouragement. And that Peter would be the one to bring them back. You know, sometimes we, we, we go through our trials and we wonder why. We ask God to take it away. Instead, we should ask God, help me to persevere through this. Help me to come out on the other side of this so that I can encourage and strengthen my brothers and sisters. 
We need to ask God to be there, to strengthen our faith, to help them through it. And God, help me to have the strength to walk with them as they go through this. Because there's nothing more powerless than to watch someone go through a trial that you can't help them. Sometimes you're not there to fix it. God just expects us to be there and walk with them through it. The whole book of 1 Peter deals with encouragement for believers to persevere through trials. And I know that there are brothers and sisters right now who have gone through that 2018 was not a good year. And they would like to forget 2018. But I would encourage you to ask, what have you learned from 2018? Where is your faith now that you have gone through this trial? And how can I encourage you to keep going forward? You see, he would not have been able to write those letters to the brothers and sisters had he had not gone through that time of sifting. He would not have had a conviction about persevering through trials and suffering had he had not gone through that time of sifting. Some of us would not be here today if we had not allowed that process to mature our faith so that we could be there for one more year as a faithful Christian had we had not gone through our time of sifting. See, Jesus did not pat Peter on the back. He did not flatter him with fluffy words. He pointed him right back to God. I'm praying for you. And I think Peter received the comfort knowing that Jesus was not going to let him go through this alone. Just like we all need. Peter faltered, but Jesus' encouragement was there because there was more to Peter's story. And the same thing is for us. You know, each of us, we have a chapter in our lives. Our lives are like books. And every chapter is different. And we come to a difficult chapter in our life does not mean that your story is necessarily over. Your story is over when your life is over. And if your life is not over, that means your story is still being written. And I want to encourage us. You know, I love this quote by Idris Elba. It says, one bad chapter doesn't mean that your story is over. God is not through with you yet. We need to be there for each other. We need to encourage each other. One bad chapter, one bad mistake does not mean that your walk with Christ, that does not have to define your whole entire walk with God. Because you have one month does not mean that you're a terrible Christian. Because you had one bad year does not mean that you're a terrible Christian. Because you had one bad experience does not mean that your rest of your walk is going to be the same way. Just one chapter does not define your whole story. We need each other. We need encouragement, and we need it every single day. Who's walking alongside you? Who's pushing you to be your best for God? Who's reminding you of the dreams that you once had and that's still yet to be fulfilled? Who's in your corner when you need to be picked up and when you need to be built up? And who are you helping to move forward, to see their dreams realized, to grow in Christ, to come back and get up? When they fall, we not only need people to encourage us, but we need to also encourage one another. 
Just like the song says, we all need somebody to lean on. Let's stand up and we're going to close out with this song. And we're going to put a spiritual spin on it. To God be the glory. Yes.